Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This time around, I'm speaking to Julian Festor, the country manager for CrossFit France and the director of the French Throwdown. We talk about how to plan for a commercially successful event, how he supports the French affiliates and the challenges and goals for the future of CrossFit in Europe. As always, there's a lot to say, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. You are the country manager for CrossFit in France and you were also the director of the French Throwdown. So welcome to the show. I'm really honoured to have you this morning. It's Saturday morning. We're both enjoying a bit of sunshine. You are in France and I'm in Mallorca. Where are you exactly? Well, until recently, I was living in Paris. And I actually, uh, like you, fate, uh, not really fate, actually, a decision made me move. Uh, and I'm now living close to the mountains in a in a city, well, very close to a city called Annecy in France. Uh, Annecy is located very close to a lake, the Lake of Annecy. And uh, I live in a small city beside the lake in between the mountains and Nancy, which is a, a very pretty, uh, uh, pretty place to be in France. So you've gone from the big city to the countryside. Yeah, exactly. After living 10 years in Paris, it was time for me to, to move out and go closer to the, you know, nature, green stuff, stuff that you don't see in the, in the big cities. I was just checking out on Google Maps where CrossFit Louvre is, and it's literally like 10 minutes walk from the, the museum, isn't it? It's right in the middle of Paris, which is one of the boxes that you were based at. Yeah, so I was I was in charge of uh, operating the two boxes that we have in Paris uh, that Daniel and the team from CrossFit Loop founded back in, in 2012. Uh, and yeah, they're really central, central locations. We're really lucky to be here. It comes with a, with a big amount of challenges, you know, being in a city, uh, considering neighbors, space sizes, uh, limitations, rent, Rent price yeah. is a big one, but there is also a lot of, of pros. You know, there's a, a big density, a lot of people, uh, a very different operation from what you would see in a usual CrossFit affiliate outside of big cities. Because, I mean, just the proximity to the center must mean that you get such a, you were getting such a wide range of people, not just, uh, not just your national French people, but a wide range of drop-ins, I guess. Yeah, very a very international crowd. Uh, drop-ins will, will depend on seasons. Obviously, COVID was not a good one for, for drop-ins. But yeah, traditionally, especially in the winter season and summer, we'd get a lot of drop-ins. Could go up to like 10, 15 a day. But our, our main crowd is basically people working nearby. When you live in Paris, you tend to uh, um, operate in silos. So you would work in a location, live in a location, travel, travel in between. But you would only do social stuff where you live or where you work. Yeah, just like London, the same. I mean, when I lived in London, uh, the commuting would be when you read a book or listened to your, um, at the time, it would have been an iPod or something. But you actually mostly did exactly the same thing. You're like You have your little neighborhoods, don't you, where you live and where you work. Those are the big satellites. No, actually, not at all. I uh, I was quite lucky. I was born in Norway, and uh, my my father was working in oil and gas, so we we traveled quite a bunch. And I grew up actually in several countries across the world, which was super super cool. In very cool and opportunistic countries where you can you can you know you can be inspired and, and be an entrepreneur basically. And that led me to always kind of follow my passion. So uh, 
it actually led me to CrossFit, you know, that, that way of growing up. So if you were moving around a lot, how did you kind of decide on, do you identify as French or do you identify as European or what would you say your nationality is? Well, I'd say when you grow up in several countries like that, you you have this sense of, uh, you kind of don't really know where home is. It's something that's pretty common across people that have lived abroad for a long time and they don't really know where, where they belong to. And until I was a... Uh, uh, like a bit older, I've, I had this crisis of not knowing where I was and not knowing where I belonged and everything. But now I truly belong as a, as a, as a French person, really, I'd say. But I always have this, this feeling that I need to move at some point. So it's, it's a bit weird. It's like you, you live in a certain place for a few years and you're like, now I need to go somewhere else. And it's something that across all my friends, across all the countries I lived in, we have in common. It's, it's this sense of we need to go somewhere else pretty soon which is pretty troubling, actually. And you you feel a bit, you know, different. And it's, uh, you don't know if it's yourself or if it's just something normal. It's, it's a bit troubling, to be honest. Of all the countries that you grew up in, which one was your, was the one that kind of sticks in your memory the most? I always say Indonesia. I grew up, I was in Indonesia from like 14 to 18, 19 years old. And uh, it's obviously the years where you, you begin to do the most stuff because you begin to be independent. And especially in these countries, we're lucky because, I mean, we have we had a very good lifestyle, easy lifestyle as an expat. You had a driver, you had a cleaner, you had this, you had that. And when you're 15 years old and you have all these stuff, you know, it's <laughs> it's pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. And obviously, Indonesia is a, is a growing country. They have like 220 million people and they have a very an exciting middle middle class economy rising. And these people are very much entrepreneurs. So they like to do things and try stuff. And they're really not scared of failing. So they'll try multiple things at the same time. This will fail. This will fail. They'll try this, try this. And they're not close to anything. So when I was 14 years old over there, I was I was really lucky because I got into music. I, I founded a, a label and we, we started organizing events and uh, and rave parties and stuff. And I was only like 15 years old. And when you're able to do that kind of stuff at that age, it's pretty eye-opening, to be honest. And uh, they, yeah, they, that stuck to me quite a bit. I guess that's one of the situations where, like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? You know, you just take risks. Exactly. And you know these things are possible. You know, when when you live in countries where everything seems to be very hard or very focused on administration and you have to do this and you have to go across all these hurdles, it's like things are so hard and you shouldn't te- you shouldn't try them, you know? When you live in these countries, you understand that you can do a lot of stuff and even if you fail, it's fine, you know? It's fine. You can, you can, you can go across. And these things open your eyes on a lot of stuff. Actually. Would you say that that was how, that's had a big influence on your life, or is it been living in a country or a or a person? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're exposed to a lot of different cultures, I think it opens your mind quite a bit, and it humbles you in a sense where you know how people live across these countries. You know the difference uh, of economic class. Uh, you're open to new cultures, to new ways people live, and you're just open-minded in general and trying to absorb as much stuff as possible. I mean, I see the parallel with CrossFit. That's why I'm, I was saying that that's how I got into CrossFit. I think that open source and open-mindedness is essential to how you should grow in the future, you know? I was wondering as well, like you're saying, you didn't really know where you fitted in, but maybe it's cheesy to say, but is CrossFit like the country that you that you belong to now? Yeah, the lifestyle and the way of thinking, it definitely is. The methodology and it's open-mindedness and the way of trying. And if it fails, we try something else and adapting. That's definitely something that fits my own, my own mindset. Yeah. 
Did you do a lot of sports as you were growing up? Did you have the opportunity to, to try them? Yeah, I was lucky. My, my parents were all, always pushing me to do stuff. And I, as a young teenager, was uh, probably hard to hard to deal with because I never wanted to do what they wanted me to do. But, you know, they, they kind of pushed me. I, I did a lot of stuff, actually. I played rugby, did ice hockey. I did uh, a lot of, you know, uh, martial arts. And actually, at some point, I had, uh, I had a... a, a bone growth problem that forced me to actually stop every impact sport which was quite painful so i couldn't play rugby couldn't do ice hockey anymore couldn't do uh, uh even couldn't walk at some point so i actually ended up doing horse riding which was uh which was quite different and uh, i ended up competing at quite a high level and uh, that was quite fun as well what well, show jumping yeah, I did jumping and uh, I don't know how you call this actually in English, dressage and jumping, both of them. Yeah, and eventing, cross country, did you do the three? No, just uh, the, the two first ones. I have a horse, so yeah. We also know a lot about show jumping and dressage in my family. It's a, it's a big topic in the car every day. It's an obsession, an expensive hobby as well but a good one. It is an expensive hobby, but it's good fun. It's a great one for kids um, to get outside in the country, for sure. So how did you get into CrossFit? If you were uh, interested in horses and kickboxing and everything else, how did you find your way to... So na naturally, I did a lot of different uh, sports. And uh, when I started growing a bit older, I've always had this sense of I need to be strong, but I also need to be able to run fast, to do stuff, you know, to play rugby, to, do, to basically to be a multitask, a multitasker, I'd say. Uh, naturally, when 29, 2009, 2010 uh, started coming, at the time I was studying as an engineer between 2004 and 2008. And uh, our sports coach in our engineering school was actually an Olympic disc thrower, you know, hammer thrower. His name was Yuri Sedik. He actually still holds the world record for hammer throwing from uh, back in the days, you know. And he he made us like lift a lot of stuff. And uh, also, so we had two kinds of evaluations. The first one was squatting. The other one was bench press, so strength. And then we had also rowing or running. So we had these two uh, these two grades basically based on based on strength and based on cardio. And that was the beginning of my mindset of being like, oh, I need to be good at both. And that quite fit my 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 mindset of my younger years of being, you know, able to multitask and everything. So that all made sense. And I kind of pursued in that in that way and tried to educate myself on weightlifting and also on cardio and all this stuff. And when CrossFit came, it basically answered all my questions, you know. So who introduced you to it? Well, he kind of he, he never talked about CrossFit. He didn't know about CrossFit, I think, at the time. Uh, he was very much into the mindset, the, the Russian mindset, because he, he was Russian at the time, Russian mindset of uh, of training. But I think if he knew CrossFit, he would have introduced me to it, you know. And uh, when when the level one guide came into my hands, it kind of changed all my mindset. I typed CrossFit into Google, find out Rich Froning do a, doing a workout for that I could beat him. Turned out I couldn't beat him. And I ended up doing my first CrossFit workout with the, the Louvre team when I actually started communicating about CrossFit in Paris for the first time, uh, beginning of 2012. So that's how I basically started. Do you think that... Rich phoning. Was, I mean, like, you're not the first person to tell me that they typed CrossFit into um, a web into Google and up came Rich phoning. I mean, he has been influential in inspiring so many people to take up the sport. Do, would you say that he influenced you, or was it the uh, the entire methodology? Oh, I was definitely his biggest fan at the beginning. I'm still I still am his biggest fan. You know, I've, uh, I'm. It's funny because in 2012 I watched Rich Froning and was inspired by him, and 10 years later I ended up 
eating a dinner with him. You know, it's it's funny how this this CrossFit ecosystem is so small and at the same time, it's full of opportunities and it's it's really fun. But now I was inspired by what he accomplished, but also the methodology behind it, you know, the whole thing. I mean, obviously the games got me into it, but then the methodology and the guide was just eye-opening. And what Greg Glassman wrote in the guide and what is CrossFit and uh, defining fitness and just that appeared natural to me. You know, I'm an engineer and I was trained. My father was an engineer as well. And I'm very much a logical person, but also uh, I like emotions as well. And the logic in the guide and the emotions between behind the games and the methodology, it all came together and inspired me quite a lot, actually. I wonder what you think about this. Do you think that the cross, CrossFit, the sport, as in the athletes that compete at the games, how much effect do they have on affiliates and how they recruit people into actually doing CrossFit day to day? We can't lie about it. It has a huge effect, you know. People look for inspiration. Uh, they've done so with every type of sport in the world since how many years, you know, thousands of years. I mean, the tradition behind the Olympic is is just a, a testament for that, you know. And uh, I think it's the same in CrossFit. And then it's it's just our role as affiliate owners and our as coaches to educate our population, you know. Not everybody needs to compete. Everybody needs to be fit and healthy for their life and to perform better at life. And their sport is going to be life. That's it, you know. But some people can inspire the rest by doing extra extraordinary uh, stuff and uh, and you know and compete and win and and just push us to be better every day. It's it's still a very new sport. I mean, it's only been like twenty years. When I say sport, I talk about the games, but also the methodology. When you look at other sports like soccer or rugby or everything that's at the Olympics or all these traditional sports, they've been around for like hundreds and hundreds of years. So we're still a very young discipline, a, long, a young sport, a young methodology way of training. And so a lot of stuff will be learned in the future about that. You know, Could you see CrossFit becoming an Olympic sport? I don't think so. I, I don't want to speak um, for, you know, for CrossFit HQ or, or whatever. I don't know what the strategy is for that. But I see CrossFit, as, as I said before, a very open source. And I, I didn't invent that, you know, uh, Glassman and the crew with Greg and everything. They've always said it's an open source methodology. But they want freedom in what they what they organize. And I think that if we don't keep that freedom, it's it changes CrossFit from the aim of it, which is to be very good at everything, right? And I think the Olympics is very formatted. And I don't see the Olympics changing to accommodate CrossFit. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we never know, right? They, they need to make it more exciting. And uh, that's what they do when, when they get rid of sports and get in new sports. And maybe someday they'll be like, hey, do you, do you guys want to come in? But I don't see that happening quite yet. They've got skateboarding and stuff in there now, which is kind of entertaining, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's great that they, they do that, you know, wait and see. But my husband would like to know where the male synchronized swimmers are. We have discussed it at length about why there's only women synchronized swimmers and not men. Yeah, but that's a good question, actually. I've never thought about that, you know. Equality. <laughs> so... So from the moment you stepped into uh, CrossFit Louvre in 2012 to now, that's a 10-year in the sport. What would you say have been like the key moments in that time that have brought you from an engineering student to country manager? How did you do that? I became good friends with uh, Daniel, who actually founded CrossFit Louvre. And uh, I say friends because our whole team at CrossFit Louvre were a bunch of friends, to be honest. We were a small family. And... Uh, 
I was just a member. I was one of the first members of the gym actually in 2012. And gradually I, I started to be more implicated in, in, in what the gym was doing. And in 2012, Reebok and CrossFit did this thing called the Reebok CrossFit Fitness Championship. And it was, it was a European tour of all the main cities. And it was like a, a qualifier, a semifinal and a final. And this final took place in every city. And there was one in Paris in, in June 2012. And I actually competed in that and finished like 10th. It was my first squat snatch actually in, in the final. But in the top, in the top 10, like the top nine people in, in this final, they were like the, the OG CrossFitters, like super fit CrossFitters. In, in France back in the days, you know, and uh, and when that even finished and it was quite a success, you know, Daniel knew there was something happening and he decided to actually continue the legacy of that competition. And this is how the French Rodin actually started back in 2012. And uh, so they started working on it as the CrossFit Louvre team. And a few days after they got the first logo and everything, uh, Daniel was struggling and doing stuff on the computer. He is just not as thin, you know, doing uh, stuff on the computer. And I just came in and I was going to do my training and I just pushed him over and I was like, let me do that, you know? And I started basically doing stuff and I ended up being basically directing the event in 2013. And uh, since then, basically the event has exploded and the Louvre team has grown. And yeah, years after years, I, I took uh, the position of directing the two boxes in Paris and directing the event. And Daniel was promoted by Dave Castro in 2017 as country manager in France for CrossFit. He was the first country manager. This is when they started basically the, the international program for CrossFit. And uh, I helped in on the social media and media side of, of that job. And uh, so that became a role as well. And in 2020, when he was promoted as international director, I took on the, the role as country manager for France. So that's how it, it went basically, step by step. Yeah. And lots of work. And I guess learning on the job, because I, I mean, you don't learn marketing as an engineering student, do you? No, I actually, uh, well, actually you do, you have to, you know, yeah, you had some marketing stuff. I I, uh, I like to study. So I also did a master's in business and then I did an MBA and everything. So I did, uh, I did a bit of marketing, but whatever you learn in school, uh, learning and studying is is part of becoming a better person. That's for sure. But the only way to truly learn and truly apply is, is during a job that's, uh, doing your own mistakes and, you know, taking the lead on stuff and uh, executing is, uh, cannot be, be learned on the field, I'd say. So the next French throwdown is next June. Yeah, we'll be on the, if I'm not mistaken, 23rd, 24th, 25th of June, uh, 2023. What does it take to organise this successful event? How many people, how many months of planning? When do you start? Every year. I actually listened to uh, your podcast with Ollie this morning where he discussed uh, Sid because we work, we quite have the same profile. I mean, we're the same age. Uh, he, he runs an affiliate. He runs an event. He is, uh, he, he works for CrossFit as well. And uh, we work, we work together on a daily basis. And he said it starts the next day. You know, I'd say even worse. It starts before the actual event starts. So it's like you're already planning on what's going to happen next year when you're setting up the actual year event you know and um i'm actually stepping down from uh, from running the the french showdown because that's something i've enjoyed for 10 years a lot but it's taken a lot a big toll on me and and uh just uh me as a person and i think now it's time to let a new team come in and more motivated team to take it on and push it further you know so i'm taking a, a step back from running the event and i'm still consulting for the team and helping out the team but running an event takes 12 months, takes a lot of sleepless nights. 
and takes on a lot of people. And you know, and uh, you can direct an event. You cannot run an event without a team. And it's all about building a team, building experience, building a legacy. And you know, the sum of the experience of every people working in that team. When you organize an event across 10 years, you work with people across these 10 years. And the experience that is accumulated behind all these people is years and years and years. You know, it's uh, it's several centuries of experience. And this is how you uh, you organize and run a good event, you know. There have been a couple of events this year that have been successful on one level, but very unsuccessful commercially. And I wondered if you had advice for other event organizers about how to make an event break even. Because, I mean, my background is in um, a long time ago is in show business. So I was in the theater for a long time. And for me, it's kind of normal to be in a situation where you do a show or an event and maybe it doesn't make any money, but it's still... Like it's not great when event organizers are losing money or in debt afterwards. And also people are expecting it to be uh, inverted commas professionally run and commercially successful. But that's that actually is quite demanding for an organizer to achieve. What advice would you have for somebody who's trying to do that? It's a sensitive subject. There's so much stuff to to talk about on this subject, you know. First of all, it's it's the legacy of the event and your and your ambitions and how you see your event and uh, how old it is and who is running it, which team, I mean, if you're taking on an event and the team that was running it before is not here anymore, and you have to understand that you cannot run the same event than the past years, for example, every year you need to take a small step. So it's, it's all about step by step. And you see these major sport events, you know, coming in and this huge music festivals coming in and running like a huge event and everything. You cannot do that in CrossFit. You need to build it step by step because there's so many little things coming in that it will make it very challenging to organize. Running a, a CrossFit event and making money is something that's, and when I say CrossFit event, I say a, a licensed CrossFit event, but also like a, an independent competition. It's the bigger it is, the less margin it will have, the less money it will make. Why? Because every little cent that comes in, you'll reinvest it in something to make it a better experience, basically. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is that it's very hard to actually predict your financial uh, income. For example, when you run the events, you need to book the location, you need to book stands, you need to book sound, uh, you need to book tents. And these things, uh, streaming, all these little logistical things, they cost tens and tens of thousands of euros or pounds or dollars or whatever. And this money has to be paid in advance. So usually you'll have to pay 50% in advance and you'll have to pay 50% a few days before the event. So first of all, you need to have the money in your bank. So it's very challenging to actually run a successful event because if you cannot book that at that time because you don't have the money, then you cannot book it at all because the actual sound and stands are booked by another event. So you need to take a lot of financial risk to make it happen. Or you need to build a financial income that is gradual across your the year to actually run the event. So qualifiers, uh, then confirm your participation in the final, then spectator tickets, and of course, sponsoring. So you need to be very smart at how the, the money comes in and how you spend it out. And then you need to pray a little bit that the actual spectators come in and the actual people will sign up. So you can do anything you want about marketing and signups and everything, but you're competing more with, with a lot of different events. You're competing with official CrossFit events. You're competing with every type of entertainment out there because now CrossFit for the most people and independent events for most people is entertainment. It's not 
competition. You know, you you do it for fun. So you're actually competing with music festivals. You're competing with a lot of stuff. So there's so much stuff coming in that will um, impact your financial income and the way you spend that it's just, it just makes it super challenging to organize. I know I'm not really answering the question, but that's why I'm saying you need to take it step by step. You need to grow a little bit by little bit every year. You cannot have like a huge ambition and come in and invest 500,000 euros and say, we're going to be successful because in CrossFit, that doesn't work. It doesn't work when you're not an endemic brand or you're not an endemic organizer of events. You need to feel your community, feel what they want and know how your event will be successful next year. If you are not thinking about that and you're just thinking about uh, the dollar income, then you'll not be successful. And that's been defined by Greg Glassman since, since the beginning. You know, it's that video, The Pursuit of Excellence, where you have two choices. You can pursue dollars or you can pursue excellence. And if you pursue excellence, then, then the dollars will come in automatically and that share of the CrossFit ecosystem will grow for you as a company or as an actor or as a box or whatever. That's how you need to think about the event. Is there a, a need for wannabe event organizers to actually get some sort of training from CrossFit, do you think? to be able to do those sorts of things? Is that something that, as an organization, they would ever consider? Do they get any support at the moment? No, I wouldn't say they get support. I don't mean by the programming. I mean with the like the logistics, like you were just saying. There's so much to bear in mind, isn't there? So there, there are different types of... First of all, you need to understand CrossFit is not a, an event company. You know, CrossFit is a, is a health and education company. Its goal is to make and the athletes successful by training the coaches to be the best CrossFit coaches in the world. That's the only goal. And that's uh, that will always be the goal because good CrossFit coaches will deliver the best CrossFit class and the best CrossFit class will deliver the best health, fitness and uh, happiness experience to the affiliates members. And that's the only thing that's important. When the affiliates are successful, then we have a, a beautiful ecosystem where Affiliate is successful, owner is successful, the coaches are growing and are earning more. The people coming, they're more happy, more fitness will talk to more people, more people will go in the affiliate, and it's just that virtual cycle. And the events is just uh, correlated to that, but it's just, it's not the main objective, you know? So it's not CrossFit's goal to actually help events get better organized. And again, I'm not talking from the HQ stand side, it's just, this is the goal of CrossFit is to make the best affiliates in the world you know it is for you you could see the event as marketing for crossfit though couldn't you so there is in their interests for it to be successful yeah for sure but i mean you need as a company you need to set your priorities you cannot do everything you know and again uh the the 99 of the people they'll have fun and success in the affiliates so that will be the main priority growing the number of people in the affiliates and making sure they have the best experience and the best hour of their day that will be the main focus of the company. I'm not talking in place of the games. The CrossFit Games is another company, another objective. And that, of course, has a marketing value for CrossFit. That's for sure. Um, I, I think it might come in the future, you know, how, how they can help these events uh, get run better. Again, there are two types of events. You have the, the independent events run by affiliates or people that are not CrossFit competition licensed. And then you have the CrossFit licensed events. But again, coming back to what we said before, it's a very new sport. It's uh, the structure and the way it's run, the season and everything. It will it will change year after year. There's no doubt about that because it has to. It has to because we don't know what's the best 
format yet. You know, we'll know it maybe in 30 or 40 years. And the athletes and uh, and the way it's run right now, it's it's just a testament of that. We need to adapt every year and 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 improve every year as a company. And the events will 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 go along that, and the affiliates as well. This is why we see better and better events, bigger and bigger events. And when stuff grows, well, some will fail, some will succeed. Athletes will fail, athletes will succeed. You know, it's and we are in this uh, in this constant improvement cycle, basically. France um, has, I think I'm right in saying France has the largest number of affiliates in Europe. Yeah, actually in the world after the US. What are the keys, congratulations, what are the keys to growing so much and to keep your, and to keeping all of your affiliates happy and motivated? The congratulations goes to the actual affiliates. We were lucky to have a community of very passionate people that try to do the best in their boxes every day, you know, they open the, they open the, the door every morning, they close it every night, and they just try to deliver the best experience. And we're still, I mean, we're still improving every day as uh, as CrossFit friends to actually support them as much as we could to the extent that we can. You know, uh, I'd love to be able to visit every single athlete every single year. I'd love to be able to provide them as much tools as possible in French uh, every year, but we're all growing together and CrossFit France is improving and growing. The tools that we can offer the athletes is improving and growing and being translated as we speak. And it's just this constant improvement cycle again, where we learn from the athletes what they need on a case by case, because they're so different from, from one to the, to the other that it's, it's very exciting. And then we try to provide to the majority, you know. So we try to get to talk to them uh, at least uh, a few times a year. Uh, it's, it can be sometimes very formal just to say happy birthday because they're renewing their affiliation or just because we're going to meet them in a competition or at an event or at the affiliate gathering where we have about 200 affiliates coming in. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. And I think having a country manager in the country since 2017 has helped tremendously. Having the French showdown in the country has helped the overall community grow. And having very strong actors in the country, like uh, successful companies, uh, you had Thibaut on the podcast, right? And uh, so Gowad, Willie George, and all the very successful athletes that have been in the past, Johan Gigot, that you might not know, but uh, these guys are pillar of the community. I'm very passionate about CrossFit, but I'm even more passionate about the ecosystem it's creating. You know, there's so many opportunities. Our community is is made up of 760 affiliates today, but it can it can still grow to more than a thousand. You know, our community is only French speaking, and the CrossFit website is still not in French. The ecosystem and the brands that are in the US and outside, they they don't really targeting the French market yet. It's just when you open your eyes, you see that there's, there's this huge unused potential from CrossFit and the actual community and the ecosystem around it that is still not exploited in our country. So I'm excited where we are today, but there's so much potential about what can happen in the future in terms of athletes, in terms of uh, membership in affiliates, in terms of professionalism, number of affiliates, quality of coaching. Uh, there's so much stuff to do that is quite overwhelming, actually. In your day-to-day, um, what would you say are your main roles that you're, well, the main tasks that you're performing every day and for the affiliates? What, so that, what kind of things are they asking from, from you? So there's, it's, it ranges from everything, from stuff, admin stuff. Basically, uh, they, they need help on a specific task with CrossFit or uh, advice, uh, financial advice. It could be anything. 
protecting the brand, uh, leading the team. So we're lucky to have a team of, of seven people now in France working for CrossFit France. I include the seminar staff in there because they're actually part of the CrossFit France team. They deliver the French content to owners during the level one and level two and to future affiliate owners, especially. So we need to include them in the team because uh, if they deliver the vision the right way and they inspire people the right way, then it's again, this virtual cycle, you know, successful level one people will open a box in two or three years, will deliver the methodology in the right way, will explain it in the right way. And then another affiliate owner will come out of this. And it's just this eternal cycle that can grow the community. Uh, it's a bit of everything. Right now, I'm, we're organizing the affiliate gathering. So it's very much focused on that, for example. It's happening in two weeks in uh, in Toulouse, which is one of the biggest community in France. And we'll have about 200 affiliates and 400 people coming in. So that will be a, a big mess. And uh, it will be a big, uh, a big CrossFit, you know, traditional try to learn, stink and drink stuff. And uh, yeah, it will be good fun. I heard the one in Spain in, um, I think it was Madrid recently was a really big success as well. It's like a great big party for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, affiliate owners, you know, I've I've been one really, I've been in an affiliate for the last 10 years. And when you're working in an affiliate, it's 24 hours, seven days a week. And you're constantly looking at your steering wheel and trying to make your affiliate better. And you very solemnly uh, open your eyes up and look, you know, elsewhere and try to look at what other affiliates are doing, or maybe try to link up with other affiliates because you're so focused on your own problems and your own successes that it closes a lot of of doors, you know. And uh, the gathering is essential in in that the people that come there, it's one of the only time during the year where they actually meet other affiliate owners. And our goal is to have as many people as possible there and create these opportunities for the affiliate owners. And uh, and we're still looking to what what's the best format is because we have 760 affiliates in country, but only 200 coming to the gathering. So how can we make that even bigger? You know, how can we create more opportunities for affiliates to meet and to uh, to exchange ideas and to uh, to communicate on what to do, what not to do? Talking about your team, you've got seven people working now in France for CrossFit. How do you guys all work together? What who, what different jobs are there in there? So I have two uh, two that are really working on the affiliate side. So that will be uh, Pierre, who's actually an affiliate owner as well. He owns CrossFit Versailles. So if you if if you visit the castle in Versailles, the Chateau de Versailles, make sure to do a drop in in his box. It's a very small and, and and fun box. I hope the decoration is as good as Versailles. I think he wants to move and actually improve his decoration, but he's struggling to actually find a good a good place to do it. I just feel like chandeliers might might be a good addition. Yeah, I I don't see CrossFitters and chandeliers working well together though. No, but my in my brain they go really well. Yeah, no. And uh, he's basically doing affiliate support. So he'll be he'll be talking and chatting to affiliates every single day, trying to help them on every single problem they could have. That could be from a project uh, that somebody has to open a new affiliate, or that could be regarding uh, a financial distress or whatever tool that CrossFit could provide to that person to make the experience better. Then I have uh, Miriam, who's actually my uh, my uh, my girlfriend. She's on staff as well. And she does all the media. So she will run social media for CrossFit in France. Social media is not only marketing and, you know, putting stuff on Instagram and Facebook, whatever. It's actually one of the biggest avenue of people reaching out to us now. So it's 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 very much about inspiring, entertaining, and educating, but also communicating with people. So that's, that's a, a very big avenue for us, especially when our marketing in France as CrossFit France 
is not only towards owners, it's also towards the French community. Because one very special thing that we have is language. Most people in French do not speak English. You know, it's a very hard percentage of people that do not speak good English. So we need to translate stuff. We need to provide stuff that fits our culture. We need to provide content that fits the gyms and the way the gyms look in France. Because otherwise, there is a very low rate of um, of uh, engagement. Let's say you have a, a, a video that comes in from the US and that has big engagement in the US. If you use it in France, it's very likely that it doesn't work as well because it just doesn't look as the same country. You know, the, the, the athletes wearing the T-shirts, the way the box and the athlete is looking, it looks very American. And so it's very important for us to make it look a bit more local. Um, so Mims, uh, Miriam is doing that. And then we have the seminar staff. So we have uh, Vanina that works with Thibaut for GoWad, actually. We have Raphael in Montpellier. We have uh, Ellie, who's uh, our flow master. We have uh, Anne, who's a coach at Louvre and who's also on staff. And Miriam, who's on staff and, and works for CrossFit France. And the seminar staff, they basically, uh, well, you know what they do, but they deliver the CrossFit experience every single weekend. Are they guys um, based all over France or are you kind of local to each other? Yeah, we have two in Montpellier. Uh, we have uh, one in Versailles, uh, one in Paris, and now there's two of us in the mountains. So east. So it's, it's a bit scattered across France now. How do you remain as a good team when you're separated like that? Well, I think, I think COVID has taught us a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, uh, the, the new generation of how you work together is very digital and virtual and, and we're used to WhatsApp groups and Slack and, uh, and Zooms and that kind of stuff. But we try to link up once in a while. So, um, uh, the affiliate gathering is going to be one of the only time where all of us have come together. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. You must be looking forward to seeing each other. Yeah. Um, Talking about CrossFit throughout Europe, is there now, um, do you know if there's a box in every single country in Europe? Now there's 44 countries. I was just wondering if there's any missing. That's a very good question. Actually, I, I don't want to say I know because I don't know, you know, and that's a very good question. It's very likely, I think. Because, I mean, like in Europe, unlike America, we have uh, obviously got language barriers because every country has a different language. I mean, English is very much used as a, an international language. But like, as you said, many, many French people don't speak great English. And it's the same in Spain. You wouldn't expect a, a Spanish person to necessarily speak particularly good English or feel comfortable speaking in that language. So how do you, how do you think CrossFit can get across its methodology to all these different countries without being in all those different languages? It's a very special question. And I can't speak for all of Europe because the culture is so different from country to country, you know? We, uh, Daniel, who is doing the, the international expansion that you, maybe you should have on the podcast as well. I think I will. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put you in touch if you want, but thank you. He, uh, all he's doing Europe. So he will know, uh, that the answer to this question, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but the goal of Daniel is, is to actually have a local person in most of the markets. So obviously that's very challenging because you need to find the right person. And also you need to make it worth. I mean, it's a company. You need to, you know, uh, choose the markets in terms of potential and where you want to invest money, basically. So it, it makes money after. But the goal would have to have, you know, a local person in every country, uh, leading the country. So right now I know there's, Two new people in in Africa doing mostly Northern Africa and Southern Africa, you know, 
Chad and Fouad. Uh, they actually had an, an affiliate open up in Ivory Coast for the first time yesterday. It's really about learning on the ground how the country works and making sure that the methodology is communicated the right way, basically. A lot of people are very passionate about CrossFit, but they they, they want to know that the company is following them in this passion, you know, and it's just about, you know, reminding them that, basically. So that's what they know is trying to do. I guess from a kind of from my point of view, I've always I keep wondering when we're going to see more CrossFit HQ being a bit more focused on on other countries. I know that it's not um it's still a very American sport in that and a brand in that way. And it's kind of exciting to hear that France is the second biggest country. And I mean that, that so there is hope that it's going to become a, a more even handed. So I really feel like at the moment, like I was at the games. And even though there were lots of European athletes competing, if you watch the coverage, the broadcasters aren't really focusing on those athletes. It's always about uh, like number one and there's never kind of any inclusion. So I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that uh, these things are slowly going to change. Yeah, and I think uh, leadership, Don Fall and the new CEO and the new two team coming together, they, they know that. They're, they're conscious about it and they're very conscious about, you know, uh, interna- it's an international company now and it needs to be as international as possible while being conscious that you still have 5,000 affiliates in the US. And obviously, I mean, it, it will still be a very uh, American-centric country in terms of uh, com- company, in terms of finances, obviously. So it's how do you provide to this international community in the right way? And how do you balance that with the company itself? It's it's very challenging. But I know from a, from a, from a, a discussion with him that they they're very much focused on on providing the tools for international expansion. And actually, at the games, we had the for the first time at the games, we had the broadcast in local languages. So we had CrossFit France doing a broadcast. We had CrossFit Italy. Uh, we had Brazil. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was just uh, it, it's good fun. There is a lot of stuff to improve. But it's coming. It's coming together, you know. Were you part of the broadcast? So I was basically doing the technical stuff, making sure the streaming was working and running around, and making sure we had guests and everything. But uh, the two people that we put on camera for that are uh, Miriam and Ellie, because they've been broadcasting the games for the last four years now. We did it with the French Throwdown back in the days. We've done the Open every year. They just have good experience. So they do that and I do the technical stuff. A master of uh, many trades. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to, you know, uh, it's, I think it's a, it's a talent of every CrossFitter. You know, you, you need to multitask. You want to be good at everything and touch a bit of everything. And that's how we, that's how we do it. So looking at the future for, for CrossFit France is pretty bright, huh? Well, now it's it's um, there's there's several things. I mean, we need to we need to focus on the growth. Make sure that we sustain this growth. We want to keep growing the way we're growing. But then we also need to make sure that the current affiliates they have what they need. You know, and I was actually reflecting about that this morning. It's we have affiliates, and the the, the needs of affiliate they'll they'll depend mostly on on where they are at in their path. So you have the new affiliates, you have prospective affiliates, you have one year affiliate, two year, et cetera, et cetera, until like. You're more mature, mature affiliate, and you're like six, seven years, ten years old, and everything. And the content that we provide to each of them has to be very different, you know. And it's how can, as a local CrossFit entity, how can we provide to each owner on a case by case basis the right content at the right time? On what we'll probably reflect on the next years is how do we automate it? Because obviously, the more affiliates you have, the less human contact you have with them so how do you make it as personal as possible 
but at the same time, you make it realistically automated, you know, that will be the main challenge for us because this is what the success of CrossFit comes with, you know, these big challenges as a company as, yeah, CrossFit was a big success was when we had like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 athletes because this was like these small communities coming together, you know, 2012 in France, we had like five athletes here and, uh, you know, it was, they all knew each other, they came together, uh, they did events together and um, I actually had lunch with one of them from 2012 a few days ago and he was like oh i missed this time when we all met together and we had lunch and and at the gathering actually in the evening they're having a small dinner all together the guys from 2012 you know uh, so how can we i want all the athletes to have that experience you know not just the old ones and it's just that that challenge how can we make it happen with so many athletes now i think people make it happen julian people make it happen yeah and, and you have i think crossfit attracts those people who get, who maybe like you, um, didn't have a place that they belonged. And then they find that place that they belong and they love being there. And that's how, and their passion and their enthusiasm is how you get, you know, it's, it's contagious. Are you saying we're the, the misfits, you know? <laughs> um, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, especially in, the, in like the, these day and age, like the family, the family unit is different. You know, we're not uh, necessarily all together growing uh, like growing as a we're not living with our parents and living with our grandparents any longer we, we may be separated from our families in other ways and the, we still have that need and that yearning for a family and we find it in our box or we find it with our friends I mean like we st- so it's fulfilling a social need as well as a as a health one for sure I mean uh, CrossFit has given this business opportunity to to people to to build a business you know and Build a business, uh, build it on top of a methodology that works in this brand. So have a little bit of help, but at the same time, have this autonomy. And that's very unique to CrossFit, you know, and CrossFit affiliates is that free economy where, yes, you're using the brand, but do whatever you want in your box, you know, run it as you want. We'll be here for you, but run your business as you want. And this is truly something unique. And this is what makes the beauty of the affiliate community. I really hope that you're gathering it's a success and that you uh, have more and more people showing up. And thank you very much for talking to me this morning. It's been really great to speak to you. And um, thanks to Thibault for suggesting that we got to speak to each other because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have assumed that the CrossFit country manager for France could speak fluent, perfect English. Would be hard for me to work with the, the American crew, right? True enough, true enough. But it never occurred to me that you would be such a uh, great person to speak to. So thanks, Julian, for... Thank you, Vicky. And I mean, if you want to speak to all the country managers, you know, they all speak good, very good English. So they'll be more than happy to come on. And uh, I'm sure Daniel would be happy as well, if you need. I'm going to get... I've got a list. So I shall, I shall ask you for contact. Awesome. Thank you very much, Vicky. Thank you. And... Enjoy your weekend in the mountains. Thank you very much. Thanks, Julian. Real pleasure to meet you. Our next episode will feature British athlete Taylor Howe. She talks about how after struggling with competition for the last two years, she's rediscovered her passion for the sport in her local CrossFit box. Until then, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.